October 24th, 2022. We're in Masechet and let's begin at the, again at the Mishnah. The Mishnah is right in the middle of the Amud or so. Said the Mishnah, hanidahat haba. Of course, we're talking about Ir Hanidahat, about whom we'll read many of the details in the Mishnah and the Gemara ahead. But very briefly, the Torah describes in Sefer, the middle of Sefer Devarim, how if there's a circumstance where some people, Bnei Belial, uh, we'll, we'll read about those sorts of people in a moment or two, uh, terrible people, uh, sway an entire city or the majority of the city, as the Hachamim understand it, to worship Avodah Zarah. There are specific laws for that circumstance. It's called the Eid Hanidahat. Whereas in general, if a person worships Avodah Zarah, they get put to death with Sikilah. In this circumstance, if it's an entire city or the majority of a city, they get put to death with Saif, beheading. Secondly, and that was a lower level uh, um, punishment, Skila is the highest, uh, Saif is below that. Uh, secondly, uh, since, and we'll see that in the Mishnah, it seems to be since, the Gemara will explain this as well, since they got the lower level punishment with regards to death, well, they did ultimately speaking die, but it's the lower death penalty, their um, belongings are burnt and are forbidden in uh, benefit. You're not allowed to get any hana'ah from it. Uh, we'll deal with it in the Gemara. The Gemara earlier had dealt with this a bit. We'll, we'll try to address that. Um, that's in contrast to an individual who worships Avodah That individual, his belongings are left for his inheritors. They're still able to benefit and enjoy them. Right, so that's really what we're dealing with with regards to Ir Hanidahat. Those first words in the Mishnah about them not getting Halak Laulam Haba, we dealt with in the past class as well about whether those are the, those are the proper words in the Mishnah. So Rashi has them, uh, several don't. Uh, I didn't mention on, uh, on Friday, but Mars Katten showed me afterwards, Halambam leaves it out of his, uh, um, his Perusha Mishnayot when he talks about those who don't get a Halak Laulam Haba. We discussed why that would be. We discussed the Tosafot and Daf Mem Zayin, so we'll leave that aside for now. But again, The Pasuk talks about how these terrible people went out. The fact that they went out is in the eyes of the rabbis. They went out from being a part of your nation to be not a member any longer of Am Yisrael means you lost your portion in the world to come. You can be from Hasideh Umot Olam and you can get Olam Haba perhaps, but if you're not from Yisrael, you've lost that portion. That's the Yaseu, that's the they've gone out. Because the Pasuk could have just said there are people who were swaying people and the others in the wrong direction. It says instead Yaseu, that's where the Derasha comes from. The Kemishnah continues. And furthermore, with regards to establishing this as an Ir Hanidahat, and we'll discuss why, both in terms of text and in terms of many of the logics with regards to this, uh, it needs to be that the Madiheha, again, those who are swayed are going to be known as the Nidahim, Ir Hanidahat, the ones who were swayed in the wrong direction. The Madihim is the proactive verb, it's going to be the ones who influenced. The influencers need to be Me'otaha'ir, they need to be from that same city. They can't be outsiders who came and swayed this city, that would, uh, the people who worshipped would still be Hayav Mita, as would the Mandihim, but it wouldn't be considered an Dahat. the death penalty would be different, the ramifications with regards to belongings would be different, but furthermore, it's not only from the same city, and we'll discuss this detail as well, and the Gemara needs to be from the same tribe. 
needs to all be the same homogenous group with regards to who's swaying and who's following. We'll again discuss why and how. Ve'ad sheyudah and it furthermore needs to be that the majority of the city is nidah, are swayed to worship Abu Dazara. Ve'ad sheyadihua anashim. And furthermore, it must be that the people who are influencing need to be men. Uh, if alternatively and in contrast, any of these uh, details are not matched, for example, if it was women or children who were the influencers, or it's not the majority of the city, but it's just a minority. It might be a large number, but it's minority. How do you know? Maybe it, no. I'm saying, how do you know it's the definition? These are all definitional. How do you know? You, you have to be doreshin in the pasuk. Maybe it's forty uh, percent of the city. It's Irinani Dachal. Maybe it's a large swath. The derasha. Again, we we are doreshin from a pasuk, and you know it already as uh, common knowledge. But the pasuk does say vayadichu et Yosheve Iram. Yosheve Iram could be interpreted just as many of the inhabitants or some of the inhabitants. Uh, or if the influencers come from outside of it, in any of those circumstances, we'd consider those who worshipped as individuals instead of the collective known as Irhanidahat, which it, with its particular laws, if there was Avodazara in those any of those other circumstances, they're individuals who worshipped Sekila and their Shalal, their Mamon is Mutar Bahana Ausrichin. And furthermore, there needs to be two witnesses, and a warning for every individual. Now, the simple interpretation, and that will really be the one that we'll maintain, is this is referring to every person who worships. Rashi, in his commentary to the Gemara, seems to spin us uh, to focusing specifically on the influencers. They're the ones who need the two witnesses for every one of them and a warning. Uh, but we need to understand it, as the Mefashim point out in Rashi over there as well, as every individual needs to have two witnesses and a warning. Ze- the, the Gemara mentioned it in tandem earlier in our Masechet about whether this ever happened, and it um, seemed like the majority, the mainstream opinion is that it never happened. Uh, there was two dissenting opinions on both of them, both Ben Soreiro More and Eid Hanidahot. What Nathan specifically, I think, is pointing out is, look at how many details there are. Look at how much needs to be in place in order to establish this. It's, it's hard to imagine that this could actually happen. You might then jolt and say, so if that's not going to happen, so then why would the Torah be teaching us this? So those were the words of the Gemara earlier in our Masechet. In this context, you're supposed to learn the laws and receive reward for them. Does that mean it's in a vacuum, you're just reading it, and it's in no way associated or relevant to you? So what we suggested then, and we'll suggest again, is the values that are inherent in these sorts of descriptions in the Torah. You usually assume, for good reason, I understand why, that the stories teach us lessons about who we are. We learn ethics, morality, lessons about uh, being righteous and just from the stories of Abraham, Tzachak, Yaakov, and Moshe, and so on and so forth. From the laws, not so much. Laws are legal, we just do. What's that? Plenty, easy, as we can from Ben Soreiro Moret. There are two 
uh, 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 what's it called, paradigms for this sort of concept. Again, I maintain, I'd hope everyone does that. All 613, there are major lessons to be derived. Uh, sometimes it's difficult, sometimes no, that's just a technical aspect. These are primary examples to the extent that in the eyes of the Hachamim, there's quote unquote, nothing relevant about this and it's fully and completely there just to learn those lessons. That's pretty significant. All right, says the Gemara onward, Zehomer, I'll remind you as well just for a moment, we've said it so many times, it's appropriate in Masechet Sanhedrin, in order to put anyone to death, leave aside the Mishnah that Maris Benin loves in Masechet Makot that so few were ever actually put to death. Leave that aside, just think about the details we've learned over the course of the Masechet. In order to put a person to death, there's two witnesses in the moment of doing. They're together, they're not related in any way, shape, or form. They gave a warning and the person who's committing the crime accepts the warning. You have to be deluded, you have to be out of your mind in order to do that. Why would you say, I understand that I'm violating and I'm going to be punished and I'm doing it anyway. I have to be in a real rebellious moment. And if you're a chopin, if we can establish that you're, that you're cognitively impaired, you're not being put to death then. So what's our very rarely? So then why do we have an entirety of Masechet Sanhedrin? Why do we have the Torah talking about death penalty if effectively it's gonna be almost impossible to ever put anyone to death. Again, it describes for us what's severe in the eyes of the Torah. God's teaching us lessons more than practical resolutions about how to govern. Governing will be with a jail system and with punishment and with determinations that are going to be circumstantial. The laws that we're reading about more often than not are just like the stories. They're just like the stories. They're teaching us values. They're teaching us who we are. Says the Mishnah onward, uh, you should know that oh, the, um, the homer, the severity, that is by individuals who worship, as opposed to uh, when the collective, meaning Eid Hanidahat, that's what we call Merubim, uh, is that Biskila, right, is uh, they get stoned. A person who individually, or if it's the minority of the city, or whatever the circumstance is, you don't have an Eid Hanidahat, you get Sekila, the highest and most profound level of punishment. So you get for Hilul Shabbat, so you get for Avodah Mamunam Palat. And for that reason, their belongings uh, is, is saved. Why is it saved? Well, you're dealing with them so severely, it appears to be the case. Uh, their belongings then are allowed for their uh, descendants. The Hamirubim, you should know, in contrast, the collective, meaning Irhani Dahat, Besaif, they get put to death with a lower on the rung of uh, severities with regards to death penalties. Is Saif is being beheaded, and we call it Hereg on Yom Kippur. Lefichach, therefore, Mamonam Aved, it's for that reason that their belongings are lost, or we make them lost. We burn them, we destroy them. Okay, continues the Mishnah, and it's Doresh, further Pesukim with regards to Eid Hanidahat. Uh, the Pasuk says, Hakeh takeh et yosheveha ir hahi. So the Pasuk says, uh, you should uh, make certain that you, um, that you strike the inhabitants of the city, ha, um, well, our Mishnah has the word hazot, the Pasuk has in front of us, ahi, lefi harev, um, with harev, again, harev is, is, is knife, is beheading. Uh, says, says the Gemara, well, let's try to break this down. Ha-hameret ve-hagameret ha-overet mimakom lemakom. You might see in those two words, uh, animals. Hameret milashon hamor, donkey, uh, a donkey caravan. A gamelet is a camel caravan. Uh, what if you have passing through the city uh, people, a caravan of uh, donkey drivers? 
I don't know, I guess the parallel today is the motorcycle driver. I, I don't know what we have any, we don't really have these sorts of things any longer. But you have one of those groups passing through the city and they're staying in the city for more than 30 days. The Gemara will describe on Dafkof Yod Bet that 30 days is a significant amount of time. If you're spending 30 days in that place, uh, you're from Yosheve Ha'ir Ha'hi. You're from the inhabitants of that city. But you're not really. But 30 days is a significant amount of time. So the Pasuk says over here, again, you're talking about Yosheve Ha'ir Ha'hi. You're talking about the members of that city. So here they are, transient, but not fully transient. You know, it's reminiscent really no association other than a little reminiscence. Uh, what if a person lives uh, for 30 days in Eretz Yisrael over the course of the year? Are they from Yosheve Eretz Yisrael or Yosheve America? You'll say, who cares? I'll tell you, Yom Tov Sheni is the significant part. We have difficulty determining who's a person who lives in Israel and he's vacationing in America, or where does he live, and how do you determine that? So you're gonna be trying to tease that out over here, but over here we have an easy distinction, a clear mark says the Gemara on Daf Kof Yod Bet, it's 30 days. All right, here's the circumstance. You have a city, and the city, let's say the uh, caravan is uh, 100 people, and the city just missed, it missed the majority by 100 people. Uh, so this caravan pushes over the majority. They too get swayed to worship Abu Dazara. Uh, in that circumstance, what's the halakha? Or on the flip side, what if the city is over in terms of majority? The majority of the inhabitants of the city have worshipped Abu Dazara. You have the Hameret and the Gamelet passing through. They reside there for 30 days. They're hanging out. I don't know, they rented some place. And they're not a part of this fray. Do you count them as part of the city or not with regards to saving them? Says the Mishnah, They have the capacity to save them. The Pasuk says, and we include even those who were residing there for 30 days, the fact that they didn't get swayed helps save the city. Why doesn't the Mishnah say that they could take down the city? Rashi asks this question. Rashi says, let's really put our head to this. The people passing through and staying there for 30 days, they're probably not getting into the cult-like membership over here in just 30 days. They're not part of the city. Passing through, I met these crazy people. You know, the whole city, they're out of their mind. What a uh, they stay out of it. But yes, if they were swayed and they top over the number with regards to majority, they would uh, bring down the city, but the statement more than anything is... If they leave, but we're in the they, midst of a time during which... It's true, but they're there at the time of deen. That's what you have to say. They're there during the time of judgment. Shine'emar, okay, says, says, the, says the Mishnah again, Hare elumasilin otam. Skip the word Shine'emar, and the Mishnah continues. Haharem ota ve'et kol asherba ve'et behemta lefi harev. So the Pasuk says that you're supposed to uh, take all the inhabitants and all the everything and kill it and do away with it. Mikan amru, we can derive from this that even nichses adikim shebetocha ovedim, even if they're the righteous ones, I'm part of that city, I didn't worship Avodah Zarah. What happens to my belongings? Well, I'm taken together with the city and put to death, which is terrible, but that's the reality. What about my belongings? Ovedim, the Pasuk says, uh, everything, kol However, 
the belongings that are outside of the city, you're a righteous person, Peletin. It's not a part of the city. That's in contrast, and the Gemara will tell us how we know this. If it's a person who's a member of the city who worshipped Avodazara and they have belongings, whether in the city or outside of the city, it's Asur Bahanan, it gets, needs to get destroyed. If it's a Sadiq, meaning a person who didn't succumb to the Avodazara, it doesn't mean their lifestyle is Sadiq, it means they didn't do Avodazara. If it's in the city, it gets burnt. If it's outside of the city, it doesn't. Again, the Gemara will help us with that to their belongings you're asking well again and they're and they're included in the city and they got included in it so again did they worship or did they not they did not worship and they nonetheless succumbed and got got caught up in this city and, and they're getting taken down by the city you're saying so they're going to be like Sadiqim. yeah Sadiqim, in other words, if they didn't succumb, they're going to be just like. Okay, that's what Sadiqim is. Sadiqim just means they didn't worship. What's that? They get killed. They get killed. Yeah, they get killed, but they have one positive side, their belongings. I mean, uh, there's more than anything, just like Sedom, just like any other of these sorts of circumstances, again, among. They didn't do their job, they found themselves in the wrong place, wrong time, but get out or do your job. Either fix the place or get out, run for the hills if you're in a circumstance that can't be fixed. Just being in that context, as the Torah makes clear for us, is, is negative. The Pasuk says, and all of the belongings you should gather to the public street. The wide street, the street that's the major thoroughfare. I guess you would say it's a, a Ocean Parkway in Brooklyn. In En La Rehov, what if the city doesn't have a street? Again, the Pasuk says you need to bring it into the major street, the major thoroughway, but there is none. Osin La. So you follow the Pasuk, as the Pasuk tells you, you're supposed to bring it into the street, the major. You make one, but they don't have one, and you're about to destroy the whole city. You make one in order to fulfill the words of the Torah. What if, uh, what if what if the, there was a street but it was outside of the city? Says Rashi, again, you put it into the city. Yad Ramar, Bimeir Abu Lafia questions Rashi or explains it differently than Rashi. He says you have to extend the gate. You build the gate outward in order to include that street. I mean, this is a fascinating, amazing. I mean, I know we say, of course, we bow to the words of the Torah, of course, at all costs, but understand what the circumstances are. You're collecting the stuff in order to destroy it, and then you're going to destroy the whole city. So you're building a street in order to destroy what's on it and to destroy the street itself. Itself because the Torah told you to. We'll deal a little bit with it in the Gemara, but more than anything, it's a spectacle. More than anything, it's a statement. We're doing this in the Sratya, we're doing this in the main thoroughfare, and there needs to be, or the Torah is telling us, there must be that in order to do this effectively. And then the Pasuk says, What are you doing? And so the Pasuk says, you're going to destroy it, you're going to burn it all. And then he uses those words, which we'll come back to. Kalil means entirely, uh, the entirety, to God. But first and foremost, the Pasuk says, 
it says all of its belongings. And the Gemara says its belongings as opposed to someone else's belongings. Who else? God's belongings. This would be referring to the shalal, the belongings of individuals in that city, but not belongings of God. What sort of belongings of God are you dealing with? If someone was maktish, of course we don't think as easily about that today, but once upon a time I would say about my cup, I have a beautiful cup, I'm feeling very connected, or I want to be more connected with God. I say, I sanctify it for the mikdash. It's called koche bedekabayit. In such a circumstance, that's what's brought to the Mikdash. In such a circumstance, that's not going to be burnt. What would happen? Mikanamru, based on this law, uh, the statement of the rabbis was, Hahekdeshot Sheba Yipadu. Uh, anything that was hekdesh, anything that was again kadosh lahashem, it was sanctified for the mikdash. Yipadu, you needed to redeem it. You'd pay the value. You'd uh, to leave that, and then that item loses its value, its uh, status of kedusha, and the money is brought to the mikdash. But you can't just burn it. Uh, furthermore, tirumot yirakevu. What's that? We're getting there. It's, it's, it's on our list. Good question, though. Utrumot yirakevu. If there's teruma, what are we dealing with in teruma? Teruma, of course, every year was uh, to be given to the Kohen. Well, how much teruma was to be given? It's from your produce. How much? Halakha, according to the Torah, is any amount that you'd like to give. The rabbis gave measurements, either a 30th, a 40th, or a 50th of your produce. But technically speaking, that's the halakha with regards to Terumah. Now the Terumah has been handed over to the Kohen already. So the Kohen is holding on to it. What's the halakha in such a circumstance? Yerakevu. They need to be left to rot. Uh, they have a certain sanctity to them and they need to be left to spoil. What's the translation? Rot or, rot or spoil. Or what if it hadn't been given to the Kohen yet? In such a circumstance, it's a little bit different. Uh, we'll deal with that in the Gemara, but over here what we're talking about is when it's already in the hands of the Kohen and as a result, you don't have this Yisur of Ir Hanidahat. What about Ma'asir? Why, why shouldn't it be burned? Kohen, it's like everybody else. He's the first one who should because even as it's in the hands of the Kohen, it maintains a status of Kedushah. That's the Hidush really on this. It, it, it'll remind, it'll make it clear in the next one. I say, Ma'asir Sheni. Ma'asir Sheni is on years one, two, four, five of the Shemitah cycle. Uh, each individual, Yisrael, we took from our produce, brought it to Yerushalayim, and indulged and enjoyed it over there. Uh, that Ma'asir Sheni, what's the status of that? It has a certain sanctity, it has a certain Kedushah, um, but on the other hand, I'm going to be the one who's enjoying it. It happens to be the Gemara elsewhere has a mahlok about the particular status. Is it mamon gavor, mamon hediot? That all notwithstanding, says the Mishnah, that together with and as well, kitveh hakodesh, which means sifre Torah, mezuzot, tefillin, and so forth, yiganzu. The halacha on these is they need to be buried. That's a, a little bit lower status than teruma, which has an elevated status. You need to just leave it to rot. These get buried, but again, even though it belongs to me, even though I can uh, I can sell it and make money with regards to kitvei hakodesh. What's that? Hidden away, I call buried. It would, but the point is, you need not just leave it to rot. You do something with it. That's already a little bit lower in terms of my handling. Then the Pasuk says, Kalil lahashem elokecha. It gets burnt, but it gets burnt. Kalil, and listen to the last words, lahashem elokecha. A little bit ironic. Not exactly what I would expect. I know we're doing it for and with the intention of honoring God's name. 
But imagine the scene. There's a group of, I mean, I guess it sounds a little fundamentalist. Maybe, maybe I'm just uncomfortable. Well, the Mishnah will be uncomfortable with it. It'll have a derasha. You're burning it. Is it really? You're burning it because of Hashem Elokecha. You're burning it to God. It almost sounds like you're burning it to God, like a korban. In what way is that? Like, Amar Bishimon, Amar Kadosh Baruch Imatem Osin Din Beir Hanidahat Ma'ale Ani Alechem. The Pasuk in the Torah, which describes the Korban Ola, in contrast to all the other Korbanot, has it that the Korban Ola was sacrificed Khalil in its entirety. Nobody ate from it. There was nothing done to it other than entirely burnt on the Mizbeh. As a result, the Dirashah Shimon is if you handle the Irhanidahat, God says to us in this Pasuk, it's as if you're bringing a korban ola to me. I mean, that already transformed the whole scene from one of some sort of libels, one of some sort of a blood-gorging circumstance to one in which we're supposed to, if done properly, not so simple, we're supposed to have a sanctified thought. I mean, this is not simple to be done and can be very much manipulated and wrongfully understood and interpreted over the course of a time where people will interpret all sorts of religious libels and persecutions in the name of God. This is the closest you get to it, but that's the statement. The statement is, if you've done this properly, it's almost like a korban ola. And then, lastly, the pasuk says, v'hayeta tel olam, and the city will be a mound uh, for eternity, like tel aviv. Tel means a, a mound of sorts. Uh, says the Mishnah, two opinions as to what, what that mound. It's just left uh, as a as a mound of uh, of garbage, as uh, of, of 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 stuff that once was. First opinion says Lo says you may not build on top of it. It's a tail olam and nothing more. It's a mound of, of of rubble for eternity and burnt ashes for eternity. You're not allowed to make ginotu pardesim. You're not allowed to put gardens or orchards. You're not allowed to beautify that area. I think we could very much associate with such an opinion. This is supposed to be looked at and remembered for what it was. Here's where people, where humanity went wrong. If you look at it and there's a beautiful uh, garden on top of it, I mean, Lehavdil, but along the same lines. I remember visiting in, in, um, in Prague. In Prague, they built a tremendous, um, what's it called, satellite dish, which is uh, almost a tourist attraction, right in the middle of the Jewish cemetery. So they saved some of it, but they paved over the rest of it. And this is Prague, which was less affected by the Holocaust, but completely, uh, it's the most disgusting thing in the world. I mean, you're talking about a burial ground, and that's what you've done to it. Uh, it's, it's not even as bad as the, it's, it's not even, uh, as bad as this, because this is, you're talking about sinning and killed for God, and then you turned it into a jungle gym. Rabbi Akiva Omer, it's not so, says Rabbi Akiva, and this happens to be our posek, to think about it and try to understand it. Lotibane od lekemochehayeta ena nivnet aval naaseti ginotu pardesim. Says Rabbi Akiva, you cannot and may not build it back to what it once was. That's the next words. Lotibane od, you can't rebuild it, but you can turn it into a place of enjoyment, a place of produce, which might be understood with uh, some sort of holistic vision of what took place over here. This was justice for God. If it's justice for God, it's not just uh, killing brutally uh, the people. Uh, we did something, we still forgot. It might be uncomfortable for you and me to visit there and to be there, but if you understand it in its most pristine and proper sense, we didn't do the wrong thing. It's not that people were just butchered over here. It's that people were properly, in a scary sense, put to death with God in mind, and as a result, you can and may bring it back 
to a place that's for enjoyable, but not as it once was. Then lastly, says the Pasuk, The Pasuk says, you're not allowed to have clinging to you, to connect it to you, anything from that which was set aside, meaning all of the property is asur. You're supposed to burn it, and you may not hold on to any of it. Says the, says the Mishnah, excuse me, and then the last part of the Pasuk, right after those words say, you should make certain that you don't have anything in your hands, and the Pasuk concludes with the words, uh, and that will be, does anyone have, do you have the Pasuk on the side? That's not on the side of my Gemara. Okay, anyway, the, the end of the Pasuk is, and, and that will be, for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the way of alleviating his harons. Say Allah. The Natan the Chayrachamim, the Ma'an Yashuv, and so forth, right? So that's the Pasuk. It's talking about the continuation Pasuk is if you make certain not to partake in it. Uh, so then, says the Mishnah, Shekol Zeman Shari Sha'im Ba'olam, Haron Af Ba'olam, Avidur Sha'im in Ha'olam, Nistalak, Haron Af Min Ha'olam. Haron Af, of course, is that proverbial anger of HaKadosh Baruch Hu anytime there's wickedness or wicked people in the world. So the Haron Af, in some respect, is present. Uh, when they cease to exist, when they're not present, well then his anger, Kivyachol, is not present. Says the Gemara in a Beraita, which begins to go back to those Pesukim and to derive some of the same laws and some of the uh, uh, other laws with regards to Irhanidah, Tanura Banan, it's a Beraita. Yaseu, says the Pasuk, if you recall, it's the Pasuk we began with, it's the major Pasuk. Pasuk says, Yaseu Anashim Bene Belial, right? The Pasuk says those terrible people went out. So again, in our Mishnah, uh, we had one derasha on that word, yaseu, which seemed to bring us in direction. The Beraita has another law. What's that law? Hen velo It needs to be that the people who are dr- the driving force as influences, uh, influencers over here, they themselves are the ones who are influencing, not that they sent someone else. Uh, why would you have thought differently? Uh, so the suggestion of, of Yad Ramai is maybe they sent minors, maybe they sent women, maybe they sent someone from outside of the city. That's what the halakha is over here. That if they send someone from the outside, that's not sufficient. Otherwise, maybe uh, so the minor, uh, so maybe the, the, the messengers are still madihim. Uh, Alternatively, if it's not they directly, we look at the messenger, and the messenger, generally speaking, is not as powerful as the initial source. And we'll have such a thought in the Gemara that a lot of these laws work as follows. The question is, how much are the people convinced? Are they really convinced? Or are they just kind of testing this out? If it's the person who has the concept, the head of the clan, then they're really convinced. If it was a messenger, not the direct statement from the, st- the founder, so they say the people were testing it. That will be a statement in the Gemara in just a few lines with regards to women and children. Who cares if it's women and children? Maybe they could bring themselves to it on their own. We assume they're just testing it out. Maybe they're attracted to the women. They think the children are cute. They're not really into it. That might be the interpretation. Alternatively, according to Rosh in this Gemara, Tanura Banan Yasu Hen, and excuse me, Yasu, and the Derashah is Hen Veloshilohim. Then the Pasuk says, is anashim, uh, it's in plural. In anashim, pahot mishenaim. Uh, the derasha is that it needs to be at least two madihim. It can't be one madiah, one person who's influencing all. It needs to be at least two. It might be along the same lines. If it's one person, we say, okay, let's see how creative, let's see if this guy's a kook or if he's got something to him. If it's two, there's two people saying the same thing. There's something here that's really swaying the people, and we can definitively, the Torah says, uh, tells us, say that they are uh, uh, actually worshipping. Davar anashim 
ולא נשים, אנשים ולא קטנים. Alternatively, the דרשה from אנשים is not minors and not women. בני בליעל, what do those words mean, בני בליעל? This is where it appears in the Torah. You have this word by the sons of Eli at the beginning of Sefer Shemuel. You have... Um, uh, Hannah expressing to Eli, don't consider me a bat bilial. What does the word bilial mean? Uh, no halachic ramifications per se. Banim shepareku ol shamayim misavarehim. Bene bilial, it needs to be read, the Gemara says, bilial, without the yoke. What sort of yoke? Yoke, of course, when you have an animal which is uh, leading. Uh, something behind it, you put a yoke on them, that's what harnesses them in. Kabbalat ol malchut shamayim, we talk about. Bene belial means children, people who don't have that yoke. It's people who don't have a fear of heaven, people who have thrown off and cast away any responsibility. Mikirbecha, the pasuk says, and they came from your midst. Again, this is all part of one larger pasuk. Yatsu bene belial. Mikirbecha, these terrible people have come out from your midst to sway and to influence the people. What do you learn from Mikirbecha Velo Min Hasefar and not from the border city? You might remember this, we learned this a long time ago on Daftetvav. On Daftetvav, there was a Mahlokat between some. I don't know how many. There's a mahlok between Chachamim and Rabbi Shimon about how to interpret this. Uh, why does it matter where these people came from and which city we're dealing with? Why can't it be a city that's on the border? One opinion, the Chachamim say, Gezerat HaKatub. The Torah says it needs to be Mikirbecha. It means the only time a city is established as Iran Idahat is if it's not on any one of its borders and boundaries surrounded by non-Jews. That's the way it is. It needs to be surrounded by Jews on all sides. It's part of Eretz Yisrael, not on the border. Not on the boundary. That's Hachamim. So Rabbi Shimon disagrees with them. He's Doresh Ta'amadikra. That's Rabbi Shimon's uh, uh, principle throughout. He says, let's interpret why the Torah said this. And his interpretation is if it's on the border, uh, the non Jews will see, oh my goodness, they're destroying themselves. It's an easy entrance. It'll hurt our national security. That's why it's Vehilomin Hasefar. Ultimately speaking, the, the Mahloket is, is, is defined appropriately over there. But that's, that's the Gemara and Daftetvav with regard to why this is so. It's interesting, Rashi on our Amu just says, Gezerat HaKatub. He just takes the opinion of Hachamim over there. Okay, says the Pasuk, Yosheve Iram. Pasuk says, Mikebecha, says that people from your city, Yosheve Iram. What does it mean, Yosheve Iram? They're dwellers in the city. Velo Yosheve Again, this we understood already. They don't dwell. They're not from a different city. Lemor, and they say, Shesirichim Eidim We derive from Lemor, that the witnesses are able to say, we heard them saying this. We have witnesses. We have warning for all of them. That's the statement with regards to this Beraita and the Halachot. The Gemara just very briefly begins a Mahloket. Itmar, there was a statement with regards to Mahloket between Biohanan and Resh Lakish. Biohanan Amar, Cholkin Irahat Lishne Shivatim. We won't get into the details yet, but let me just introduce it. Rashi says we're referring to uh, during the time of the first Hanukkah, during the times of Yehoshua, when we split up Eretz Yisrael. Uh, others, Yad Ramah, suggest we're talking about in future, uh, when Mashiach comes and we're going to split up Eretz Yisrael again. Well, here's the question. Uh, let's say this is the portion of Yehuda, my Gemara is the portion of Yehuda, and there's a city, and we inherit 
inherited this city from a different nation, or we inherited it from the way it is right now today. And based on the borders of this uh, plot for Shevet Yehuda, there's a city that then goes into another plot, to another one of the Shevatim. What happens to that city? Do we split that city and say half of it is Yehuda's and half is Shimon's? Or alternatively, do we say, well, the majority is in Yehuda, so Yehuda gets the jutting out portion as well. That's the question over here. Will we split a city in half or not? And the Gemara will then have Rabbi Yohanan. No, 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 this has nothing to do with that. Why is it being brought up over here? Because we're going to bring a proof from our Mishnah to support the opinion of Rabbi Yohanan.